Hi there! Coach Antonio Aguirre here for the Life Deck Show. I'm very excited to bring you so much value in each podcast episode, like this one that you're about to listen to. Well, I do hope you enjoy listening to each episode just as much as I did recording this for you. Alright, let's dig into today's episode. Let's go! Looking back to the very first fight night in URCC, mm-hmm. remember that? That was about 2002. Mm-hmm. What do you think has changed or how has URCC evolved in the past? Like, it's 20 years now. Yeah, 20 years. Right? Yeah, and more than 20 years. Where do you uh, see it in the next 10 years? Well, hopefully we get bigger, definitely b- bigger. Um, what I want is our fighters to always be, to have a different attitude. Okay, number one is because before uh, we just, you know, whoever would be an MMA fighter, we just get them and make them fight. <laughs> now we have EMAF. Right now, we have PMAF, where we send our amateur fighters sila, and after that, they, they move on, move on, and get proper experience. So when they get to the pros, they're better. Right. Because I want our guys to be competitive worldwide. The problem is, like, say, for example, in basketball, usually you play in the barangay. Yeah. Then you play in high school. Then you Same play in college. Yeah. After college, then you go to the PBL. Then you go to the PBA. Yeah, yeah. Here in the Philippines, everybody plays barangay. Then they try to go to the pros, and they want to go international. And when they go to international, like, why did we lose? Patay. Yeah. So <laughs> we have the PMOF right now where we're actually sending two to Abu Dhabi, two 13-year-olds actually. Oh, wow. Zoe Tubiera and Yuan Santos. They're the number one in their division right now for our PMOF tournaments that we've been having. And uh, they were able to raise the money. And they're going to Abu Dhabi this weekend to fight. We want them to be seasoned property as fighters. And then later on, that's how we grow. We have to become better that way. We cannot just rush it right away or want to get paid right away. And then siempre kailangan nila kumita or whatever. But if you want a long career, a right. real career where you really get paid, this is the route that you have to take. Looking at that, there's so many changes now with URCC from how it started like with URCC one. Mm-hmm. What was your most memorable experience with like the first URCC? Well the first URCC <laughs> was crazy because everybody thought I was crazy for you know doing this. Putting well, probably I was. Yeah. So <laughs> everybody said this would never work. Philip, you know, I'm going to get arrested or right. it's illegal or whatever. The founder of UFC was my instructor, Horian Gracie. So I said, if you can make it happen in the U.S. and I can make it happen here in the Philippines. We did that. We were expecting about 500 people and then 5,000 people showed up. And then after that, you know, URCC grew and we grew. And of course, we, we hit a pandemic where it destroyed all the events, yeah. you know, put all the fighters back. So we're here coming back. And you know what? I don't care what kind of COVID comes. We're never going to stop again. Okay. That's good to know. <laughs> Where do you see it now in the next 10 years? No, next, next, next 10 years, of course, aside from being regaining our national identity here in URCC for the country, we're going to be expanding again. We actually started expansion already. We had a lot of uh, events in the U.S. We had an event already in China, and we were working on Korea, actually. Right. So we'll be going around Asia once again, but I want to make sure first that we get everything solidified in our country so we have a steady stream of good fighters and we have good programs out there before we go abroad once again. So URCC has been labeled as the longest running MMA promotion in Asia. Mm-hmm. So what is the most important or integral part of URCC's global success? Well, the thing is, we take the good with the bad. You know, sometimes because of the situation at hand, you know, things don't work. I guess it's just just like anything, you don't give up. And now uh, we, keep, we keep on, we keep on. We always have to keep things fresh, come introduce new ideas. We're actually the first promotion in the world that got actors to fight mm-hmm. in MMA. We had Baron and Kiko fight. After yeah. that happened, Everybody around Asia did the same thing. <laughs> After everyone in Asia did the same thing, the U.S. started doing it. Then now they had the vloggers. Yeah. And you had these guys, Logan Paul, doing, you know. Right, fights. And now they brought it back here and we're doing it again. And people are saying, hey, why are you doing that? No, no, no. We started this. Yeah. <laughs> we started this. Th- that 
beef thing. Yeah. Right? It used to be just in rap music, and now it's it's in real life. We made him fight because right. uh, people forget that the URCC is not a promotion that they watch the UFC and said, Gayahin Goyan. Mm. No, we were doing this way before the UFC. Yeah. And we wanted to give our fighters platforms so they could showcase their skills because, you know, before this URCC, we were doing this in the street. Right. Speaking of like you know you mentioned um, fighters who are just vloggers in in the states mm-hmm. who are like the, the the top dogs here in in terms of popularity and such here in the Philippines. Well, we, we of course Kiko Matos after he fought uh, Baron, Baron, you know, yeah. you know kept up kept up with this, and then uh, of course we have Sibulet and Bubanga Giba. So there's a lot of other people actually. You know, I'm not really familiar with them. Yeah. But I met a lot of them through Bullet and Kiko. Okay. And a lot of them are going to be fighting also in the URCC. Mm. So it's good. I'm going to add this to the URCC events because a lot of people, the purists, said, I don't want to see these guys. They know they're not fighters. MMA's only for pros. No. MMA's for everybody. Right. Our PMAF, uh, it's just a worldwide, a global, a global organization which is trying to get uh, mixed martial arts into the world. Yeah. We have kids as young as six years old fighting MMA. Wild. So, <laughs> and of course, we have rules that protect everybody else. But uh, imagine as young as six years old, they're fighting. We're sending two 13-year-olds to Abu Dhabi to represent the Philippines for I the know. first time ever. And, uh, you know, um, we're going to keep sending more and more as the, as the movement grows once again. I mean, if you said that, like, maybe 10, 15 years ago, you, people would say you're crazy. Oh, yeah. And probably sending- they're probably right. <laughs> 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 Speaking of sending people overseas, when's the next URCC overseas fight? I heard their plans to like put it in the Middle yes, East. Yes, Are any? Uh, yes. Next year, we have Korea, Middle East, and the U.S. once again. Nice. There's okay. a lot of beautiful big plans out there. That, uh, we just have to you know, jump on them right away because you know, things have opened up. And like I said, the reason why I said no matter what kind of COVID virus or whatever right. hits us, we're never going to stop because... I went to the Tokyo Olympics. I was fortunate enough to be right, there. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. When I was there, I, I asked all of the athletes, all of the coaches, mm-hmm. did you guys ever stop training? No. No. What about COVID? What about it? Yeah. It's like we were the only idiots that had these robot astronaut uh, face shields, yeah. you know, these masks all the time, you know. And then when I finally got COVID, I was like, this is it. I see. I had worse hangovers. Yeah. So, you know, so anyway, we're never going to stop. I mean, uh, you know, COVID is something that's here to stay and we're not going to ruin or stop our lives because of it. Let's talk about the Mammoth versus Boss Bullet fight mm-hmm. and that stirred a lot of tension oh, on yeah. social media. <laughs> yeah. And in your in your view as a for example as a viewer, mm-hmm. what do you think you'll see to expect in the upcoming fight? Uh, let me just give you a quick background first. I would always see Sugar talk about somebody, you know, he would always say, oh, bullshit ka, bullet, or something, something. He always says something like that. like, why is this guy picking on another, you know, you're a heavyweight champion, the URCC, three versus three champion. I mean, who's this guy you're messing with? So I look, bullet's like, why is he messing with this guy? Then later on, this guy starts messing with him back. Fake champion ka. I was like, wow, fake champion, huh? And after that, you know, and then later on, I was being dragged into it. So Sugar, Sugar asks me in front of everybody, can I fight this guy? I go, no, why would you fight this guy? He's not even a, you know, he's not a pro. He's not a pro. He's never fought. And then later on, uh, this guy says, you know, I'm going to go to the Philippines and I'm going to make him hamon. He said that to Sugar. So as soon as he gets here, 
bago pa lang niya hamunin si Sugar, okay. inabangan na ni Sugar sa airport. <laughs> they fought already there. So I said, you know what, instead of you guys fighting in the airport, you know, in public, you know, I'll just do the fight. Okay, let's see what happens, you know. If it looks like a fight that people want to see, then why not? Diba? We'll right. put it on. So that's where we're at right now, and that's what started. Now, what to expect? Everybody thinks that Bullet is, you know, a, a nobody. This guy's in peak condition. He does jiu-jitsu. He even has jiu-jitsu tattooed here. He, he's been training. He's been yeah. training with everybody. So it'll be an interesting match. But uh, of course, the odds favor Sugar because Sugar's a tough motherfucker. So, right? So, you know, we, so we'll see. But uh, the odds favor Sugar, but everybody's support, especially the OFW community, is all with Bullet. So this is going to be exciting. When oh, is, yeah. When is this going to be? On August 23 at Silo. Okay. We're going to start the events at 7 p.m. and we're going to have an undercard here. We'll have about five fights under it as well. Crazy. Let's dive a bit into the scene in Philippine Jiu-Jitsu. Mm -hmm. What do you think we've learned based on the result from the World Championship last year? Yeah, right? there's, a lot of, there's a lot of leagues of, of World Championships, but what we did was we, we attended the UWW grappling competition. Okay. So UWW is the organization that takes care of wrestling and grappling in the Olympics. Okay. Asian Games, you know, like right. you know, they're, they're making a push for that. So grappling is going to be in the Olympics very soon, just like freestyle, Greco-Roman, and women's wrestling. We're very, very good in grappling. What we did is we sent, we sent a team. This is regardless of the, you know, we, what we did was we just trained on our own. We were safe. Nobody got COVID or anything. The parents worked with us. We got a bunch of, you know, my, my sons, other people's sons, our students' sons, all champions in their own right. We were able to save up enough money. And we sent them to Russia and Ufa, Russia. And we got third place overall in the world. Yeah, I saw that. Right. You know, overall in the world, imagine that, right? It was just Russia and Kazakhstan above us. Yeah. And we only sent, what, six kids. If we have more funding, which is always the problem, we can do much better. Maybe we can even become champions. Funding, champion. sponsorships, mm -hmm. that, that goes a long, long way into their training, right? Yes. We'll be working on that very soon. I guess that's part of the game, being able to raise the sponsorship. So all, all those learnings, how do you apply that in approaching like the upcoming championship? Like, I think it's October 22 in Spain. Yes. We know what to expect. We know everybody's going to be stronger, better. So we just have to be stronger and better and make sure that our hearts and minds are always prepared to do what we have to do. Right. As a Filipino athlete, you are always, you know, you're always met with adversity. It's not like the other countries where, you, you know, it's all out. But right now, we have the POC under Congressman Bumble Tolentino, excellent leader. The Philippines has entered into the golden age of sports. We now have Olympic gold medalists, yep. Olympic silver medalists, yep. you know. And that's because of his leadership. We yes. have Obiena right now doing so well. We have so many. And then we have our soccer team of women. You know, right, women. the women's soccer yeah. team. So yeah. it's the golden age of sports. It's also because of his leadership. And he's been supporting us quite a lot. And uh, we'll continue that and carry it on for the country. Nice. Okay. URCC is also about building i've always heard this from you building a community of fighters mm -hmm. you just mentioned like from the barangay level and such mm -hmm. growing it to the professional and to the pros what kind of culture does your cc create for all the athletes that it supports the the culture is like this if you want to excel you know and be a fighter you just you have to just stay in the gym and do what you got to do it cannot be like you just get one or two wins like the other old fighters. They get one or two wins, you get a swell head. And after that, they don't train anymore. Yeah. They have five girlfriends. They finish all their TF in one night, you know, that kind of thing. So we have to make sure that they're smarter. They think for the long term. I've seen so many fighters get destroyed because of their family, because of their managers. 90% of all of the managers here for MMA fighters suck. You guys should get the fuck out of here. Because they, they don't know what's best for their fighters. So what they do is they get them a big payday here in, in some, right, in in some, some random, promotion. Yeah. 
And after that, they don't even see what the background is. Right. And then their, their fighter gets killed. And you know, they're like, oh, okay, maybe we can just try again. By that time, he's not marketable anymore. Yeah. So there's so many bad managers here. 90% of the managers here in MMA suck. What, what, what do you think is the reason for that? Well, they, they don't know any better, number one. And number two, um, being an MMA manager is something that's, you know, it, it's not very lucrative. Mm -hmm. So these guys jump at any chance. Right. So if anybody gives you, dangles some money, they'll take it right away. Right. And they don't care. It's just like what Mexico used to do before for our boxers. They would always get, you know, our boxers who weren't that good, fight into Mexico so the Mexicans get, you know, better, right. better, better, better win-loss card later on. So that's what our Filipino fighters are being used for. Okay. Suppose it's like this, like you have one person who wants to be a URCC fighter. Mm -hmm. What's the first thing you tell him? Oh, the first thing is you better train and train hard and make sure you have a good camp behind you. Another thing that Filipinos always lack is this. You have to realize if you're in MMA, you have to look for specialists in different uh, areas. Areas, yeah. Okay, so you boxing. have one MMA coach. Okay, okay, that's an MMA coach he's overall. But for boxing, it can't be the MMA coach. You have to get a right. boxing trainer. Then for jiu-jitsu, you have to exactly a Muay Thai guy, Muay Thai guy. a jiu-jitsu guy. It cannot be you only have one MMA trainer, and after that, what he does is <laughs> what he does is he he's the one teaches jiu-jitsu, boxing, and everything. You know, right. there's it's there's so many things that are there's um, you know, all of these arts are so deep in just it being in, in, as individual arts. Can you imagine one guy would be able to do all that? Impossible. So no. you have to get specialists. Mm. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's how you are as well. Like with yeah. jiu-jitsu, you have your own trainers. Exactly. You do Muay Thai, even do knife, right? Yes, yeah, yes. but your own trainer with, with mm -hmm. knife fighting. So well. I'm an instructor in a lot of arts. Right. But I don't teach all of that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an instructor. Yeah, I got an instructor level. Okay. Yeah. So, but I don't teach all of that. So what I, what I do now is like even wrestling. I've been wrestling for what, 15, 18 years. <laughs> And then I meet uh, our brother Alex, and apparently I don't know anything about wrestling, <laughs> which I probably knew all along. <laughs> and you know, I've been taking down world champions in jiu-jitsu, but then of course wrestling is different. So for a fighter who has like one base, let's say he's he's known for like you know coming from a wrestling background, mm -hmm. the first thing you suggest is that that he learns everything else. To be a well-rounded fighter, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Learn everything else, but also make sure you maintain you maintain uh, your base. They say, for example, mm -hmm. a lot of wrestlers. They say, for example, Mark Coleman, he would fight with his right foot forward when he would wrestle. He always have his right foot forward, so that's how he would shoot in. Now, first UFC, he got away with it. Then later on, when he entered Pride, someone taught him boxing. Right, yeah. He changed his lead to left. To left. So his left leg is first. So whenever he shoot in, they would see him. Yeah. So you know it'd be different. That's how he got knocked out. Yeah, you right? saw that, right? Yeah. So a lot of people there. So it happens to a lot of fighters. So as long as they have a good guide, and they should also watch, watch the fights, but not don't think that just because you watch YouTube, you know everything. Right. That's the worst. I mean, YouTube has done a lot of help, and also it's done a lot of damage. Right. I've seen so many jujitsu people, so many MMA people. <laughs> Um, think this because they watch the YouTube instructional, they know everything. So, <laughs> <laughs> someone starting from from the beginning, what's something you wish you knew when you were younger and you were still building URCC? Okay, first things come to mind. Uh, never listen to anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> Don't listen to anybody else. Just Why? do what you feel. No, because you know, uh, a lot of people will say, "Don't do this. Don't do that." And I could have worked and gone way faster, mm -hmm. had I just gone through it, you know, I, I would get stuck in analysis paralysis, you know, and, and I, you know, I just said, you know, one day, fuck it, I'll just do it. Yeah. And then when we did it, it clicked, 
And after that, you know, so many, I got, I got, I got hassled by so many reporters. What are you doing? Mayayaman, pinagsasabong mahihira. I was like, no, yeah. I fight. Yeah. I fight more than these guys. So what do you, you know, so I had to, had to fight everybody. What people say behind your back is none of your business. Right. It's their opinion. Because before when they say something you. behind my back, I'd make sure it be my business. <laughs> so. <laughs> so. It's, it's whatever people think about you, it's, it's none of your business. But whatever you think of yourself is your business. Exactly. So that's the most important thing, mm -hmm. right? So it, it just made you distracted back then. Yes. <laughs> and needless distraction, of course. <laughs> of course, when you beat up people, you have to go to a court case and stuff, right? So, yeah. you know. It's just like these social media people right now. They, they like talking a lot on social media. Yeah. If you beat their ass, ooh, they start yeah, crying yeah. on social media, yeah. start filing a case. Yeah, so, <laughs> you know, it's not the 90s anymore, though, unfortunately. <laughs> In the 20 years of existence of URCC, is the greatest challenge that you feel you've overcome yourself? Um, there, there are a lot of challenges that we had to go through. Of course, the perception, uh, organizing an event, uh, yeah. being able to become mainstream. There, there are a lot of challenges, but I think the challenge is basically doing better than you did yesterday. And always knowing that uh, you always have to be trying to improve because anytime you're not improving, that means you're falling down. Yeah. You know, I've done events also with, with my brand, Swosnam, and I've done numerous events organizing those. And every time I keep on improving on one event, there's always one thing wrong with the next one and the next one. Do yes. you feel that yes. same way too? Like yes. after you did the first one, oh, we're going to make the second one better and the third one better. <laughs> then every time it comes up like, fuck, we forgot to do I know, this. I know. Or we should have done this, <laughs> right? It's yep. always a learning experience. Always a learning experience. I had, a, I had a scare one time. We were live on ABS-CBN. <laughs> uh, 15 minutes before our, we were supposed to go live, one generator just conked out. Director calls me. Siraing sang generator. I go, no worry, we have a backup there. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> calls me five minutes later. Siraing yung backup. Like, oh my god. <laughs> it's like five minutes before. No, 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 ten minutes before. I go, the the hotel had a generator that we can use. Okay, mm -hmm. so we're good. And they say, you know what? We can't make the generator of the hotel, you know, work. Why? Because we don't know how to work the, you know, the wires. The wires. Yeah. And this is five minutes before. <laughs> You go on air. Like live, huh? live in ABS. So what happens if you don't have a generator? You don't have an event. I go, really? Oh my God. <laughs> so, go on. One guy happened to be walking by. Yeah. Said, what's the problem, John? I thought we can't make this work. He goes in and fixes it himself. Boom! <laughs> Started up. Everything was good five minutes before. Imagine that. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> These I, things I, that happen in events, right? Yeah. All, all, those, all those things that you don't you plan for mm -hmm. but then you don't expect something that really happens during the actual event yeah right? <laughs> it's crazy but it's one of the most fulfilling feelings right after mm -hmm. an event oh yeah I, you, that's the best one you know you have a you successful event you put your event. legs up after that event <laughs> oh yeah and then everyone's clapping and everyone's happy yeah. that's the best this is satisfaction that gets yeah. you like you know, you'll get like 100 reviews and people say oh, 97 will say it's a great experience and three, three of them say yeah, it sucks Right, it's normal. Yeah, yeah. Right. You, you well, especially in, in what do you call that? We have we have these other promotions that always make sure that they pay some idiots to say, "Oh, you suck, you Trolls. suck, you suck." Yeah, <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> if you weren't the founder of URCC Global, what would you be doing right now? Still training my guys. Still the same thing. I'm always a martial artist at heart. Still training uh, myself and then training my guys. Mm -hmm. Same thing. Last question: If you had one wish. What would that be? One wish? Yeah. 
So you have to have uh, to have more resources at hand to be able to create more champions. I've created the most champions in Asia already, you know, for uh, right. jiu-jitsu and MMA combined. And we're starting with wrestling also, but we're not there yet. But imagine if I had all the resources. Can you imagine how many champions we make? Yeah. So only need someone like um, to help in terms of their training and yeah, you know, the else? venue and the everything. Venue. There's so there's so many things. There's so many things in our way. Uh, for example, I have a kid. Let's say from he's from the province. If we bring him over here, it'll cost money. Okay, but then again, he has to study. He also costs money. He also has to live and you know stay somewhere. It costs money. And then maybe sometimes when he becomes good, his parents say, "Oh, that, maybe that's not good for you. You become a security guard here." <laughs> so you know, it's like that. I had a kid who was so good. He was so good. He was. 14 years old, he was beating adults, beating everybody in <laughs> jiu-jitsu. His lawyer says, you know what, you have to stop that. You have to help me in my tindahan. And that was it. Done. Good done. I mean, you know, it's these things because we don't have the resources to help them out. Right. And I can't be one footing the bill all the time. <laughs> so, aside from that, uh, you know, um, once we get the proper resources, the proper funding, we will create more champions for our country. Okay, so for a URCC fan, where can they get their tickets? Okay, just go to urcc.online, it's all there. And then we also launched our URCC app. It's available for all cell phones, so just check it out, just download it. Doesn't matter if you have an iPhone or not, you'll be able to access our app. Thank you, brother. Thanks, Chief. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast episode. If you found value in today's episode, make sure to share it and tag me on your social media accounts, and I'll do my best to repost or comment on it. Follow me on Instagram at AntonioGirid.Junior. Leave a comment about this episode and subscribe to me on my YouTube channel, Coach Antonio Aguirre Jr. I'll talk to you soon on the next podcast episode. Aight? Peace.